The coronavirus crisis is the perfect embodiment of so much of what's wrong with America. It highlights the importance of our need for strong, decisive, empathetic leadership, something we do not have at all right now. It screams for our need for credible news sources and the importance of not politicizing science and facts. It shines a huge spotlight on America's me-first mentality and the bastardization of the idea of freedom from freedom from elite control to freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however the fuck I want, so fuck you. It highlights our polarized political parties where not wearing masks became some sort of statement about government control and not a way for everyone to come together and take care of each other. It draws major red circles around racial and income disparities in this country and it finally highlights how desperate we are for affordable, accessible health care in America. We are fucked. What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air. If you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. Yes, my name is Brian. Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody. It is officially Thanksgiving Eve. And it is the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone On Air podcast. Yet another Tuesday where I'm, this time, not just juggling the podcast and a radio show. I'm I'm juggling the podcast and two radio shows tomorrow. Uh, Luckily, I've had plenty of time to prepare for all three. They're all right at around an hour each. And a one-hour radio show, once you know what you're doing, is actually pretty easy to do. Um, what is the third one you might be asking yourself if you're new here? I find that to be highly unlikely, but if you are, thank you for finding the uh, midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga. I do a radio show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on a radio station here in Chattanooga, Tennessee called uh, Nuga Radio 92.7 is where you'll find it on um, a limited bandwidth in the city, but you can also listen live at the website I do that uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 a.m. And then the the show after me is a sports show by a guy named Keon Rose. If you're not familiar with Keon Rose from a local media broadcaster, content creator locally, uh, you should. And the chances are you probably haven't. It's not a, again, not a very big signal. Younger guy still trying to work his way into this very difficult-to-navigate waters industry. One of the f- best local broadcast talents that most people have never heard of. He is so good. He does sports, an hour of sports Monday through Friday from 11 until 12 noon, and he is left town for, I believe, D.C. I know he's got a lot of roots in the D.C., Baltimore area. I'm not sure if that's where family is uh, this go-around or not, but he is out of town, so I'm going to do his sports show tomorrow from 11 until 12 noon, which is something that I've done very little of in my life, and that might be surprising to some people who just don't think about it and don't, you know, what what my, the trajectory of my life over the last 20 years is not on the top of most anybody's mind. But I guess if you were to guess, because I am a pretty big sports fan overall, that I would have done plenty of sports radio at some point. And I really barely have a, a, at all. And it is 
it's fun, but it's not really a passion or of a, des- a desire to me anymore because I don't really actually like sports like I used to. I love my teams. I love the Titans. Hang on every play. Hang on every Sunday. And I love the Atlanta Braves, which anybody regularly here, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And I follow these teams and these off-seasons, these transactions and these coaching decisions from a week-to-week, day-to-day basis, depending on whether it's baseball or football. And um, I just don't really care about the rest of the league anymore. I don't care about, other than, you know, Thanksgiving Day, I'll watch some ball, but I don't care what Monday night football is. I sure as hell don't care what Thursday night football is. It's rarely worth watching. Um, I don't care what the San Francisco Giants baseball team, what place they're in. I don't gamble. More on that a little bit here in a minute. Uh, I don't play fantasy sports. I don't see who's in the race and the running for the MVP unless it happens to be my favorite player, which this year it was. So that kind of thing. So I've fallen out of love with sports radio. And really, at the end of the day, sports is a dumb topic. I mean, I just mean it's just not a highly intellectual, intelligent conversation to have. It's a dumb topic. It's, it's stupid. Dumb people talk about it all the time. Now, some people talk about it very entertainingly, and most do not. And you can look at our local shows from the ESPN station, 105.1. Uh, Jay and uh, Dave do, David do a pretty good job. Dear friends of mine, uh, Quake and, and Cowboy Joe are doing it over at the old GOW piece of shit station. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's run its course. I love them to death, and they've got a following, and they still, God bless them for being able to, to still be able to pull that gig off. But it doesn't do a whole lot for me. And most most shows don't. It's very, very, very difficult to put together an intelligent and fun and consistently good sports radio show. And uh, I'll have one hour to do it for you tomorrow if you happen to be listening to this first thing in the morning on uh, on Wednesday. It's probably long past you on by. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, regardless of it is when you do or don't listen to this. All right, let's lay out the menu, if you will, here, and then I'll get to a handful of things I want to get to here in the open segment. I hope it doesn't drag out for too long. Um, if, if I'm boring you with the TikTok stuff, I'm sorry. I'm going to do it again. Final segment of the show, more fun with audio from TikTok. And in the second segment of the show, I went to what, for me, was the very first time uh, a, a black tire affair or black tire of uh, black tie event, where that was basically required. And I didn't, I didn't like the idea, and I wrestled with whether I should just cancel and not go at all. And in the end, my opinion of it turned out to be probably different than you'd expect. And then from another angle, it has nothing to do with what you do or don't wear. I took a I took some flack on social media about it. It was a wedding, and you can maybe guess where that's going. I'll deep dive into that into the second segment of the show. Just another anecdotal story about this past weekend. That's now three weeks in a row I've had one of those, and all three of them are pretty damn fun to be honest with you. So I'm happy to uh, tell you all about that here shortly. A couple things real quick before I get to the two pieces of audio I have for you. Calling it today's made up thing. Made up thing one and made up thing two. Um, if you and I mentioned a minute ago, I don't gamble. Have you seen what FanDuel is doing? And I'm sure they're all doing it. The sports books where Tennessee is now finally legal, surprisingly, actually legal. I knew they would be eventually. I, I'm surprised it's as quickly. But uh, a friend of mine sent me a text saying, "Hey, do you, she wasn't sure if I gambled or not." And uh, she's like, "Hey, if you get in now, 
you can you can place a bet on. Uh, they're doing this gimmicky thing where every two hundred people that sign up or something, they extend the the line of whatever the game of, of a Tennessee team. And last week it was it was Vanderbilt, and it ended up getting to where it was like minus eighty seven. So basically, it was a guaranteed win. It was just a way to dupe you into getting a free forty five dollars. Max bets fifty. I can't I can't speak the jargon of gambling because I generally speaking don't like it. Not against it, but I'm certainly not a proponent of it. But um, so I got to thinking. Well, hell, I might want to place a few wagers every now and again on some prop bets, maybe on some big games, maybe on Thanksgiving weekend, maybe on a Super Bowl. And if they're just giving away forty five dollars. Well, I might as well take the $45. So I jumped on to FanDuel, signed up, and the max bet was 50. So they made it to where you could you could deposit 10 or like 30 or like 100 or something like that. You couldn't bet you couldn't deposit just 50. Cuz that's the maximum bet of this introductory offer. So I had to put 100 in to be able to maximize the free money. If I didn't put $50 down, I wasn't going to get 45 back. So I was like, well, damn it. You know, these, these gambling, <laughs> these sites and these, you know, Vegas and Atlantic City, they know what they're doing. And so I put the $100 in. Then I go to try to find the game. I've never used the app before. I'm a little bit lost. And before I know it, I get it. The game's already started. And so I missed the damn free money. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm smarter than this. What am I doing? I don't even like gambling. Like, I I really don't. I considered uh, inquiring about a refund. Like, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I just got a little intoxicated with some free money idea. Well, what I just decided to forget about it. It's going to be more trouble than it's worth to get the 100 bucks back. Who really cares? And so I... Uh, I went poking around again in a week or so and thought, you know, okay, I probably missed my 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 window. No, they had another one come through. And I don't know how many of these you get to participate in after you've signed up, but they did the same thing with the crappy Vols. And they played Auburn this weekend, and they ended up making the line like minus 65 or something. Again, a guarantee uh, cover because they're not going to lose by 65 or 75 points. And if they win, they cover anyway. So I put 50 bucks on that. Got my $45.45, so now my balance is $145.45. And uh, I vow to myself I will never put another dime in there. I think that's plenty of wiggle room to throw a few bets around uh, on some prop stuff. Because I don't care for one second about covering lines or over-unders. That doesn't do anything for me. Sports is not designed for for covering wagers. It's not coached that way. It's not played that way. Anybody who tries to say that it is are wrong. They're not. They don't know anything about actual uh, locker rooms and coaching s- strategies. And it's it's just not. So you're betting on something that has no strategy. You 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 can't you can't you can't add any logic or fundamental brain power to okay i think minus 11 here will work because of this this that and this and this and this it's a bunch of 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 data that's worthless it's junk data oh they've covered the spread uh six out of the last eight games doesn't matter that doesn't have anything to do with the game being played on sunday this week or on saturday zero nothing and people walk around throwing this around like they're giving me information that means something what happened last week has nothing to do with the point spread for this week. It's generally speaking all luck. There is some 
You know, there is some analytics in there that give you a better idea of a better way to make a play, but I sure as hell don't care enough to pay attention to any of that. So there you go. Now I'm officially a legal sports gambler here in the city of Chattanooga. I want to talk about Riverbend and the cuts they made here on the way out the door here of the open segment. One more here, though. So I'm, I've been in the new building, the new location for my day job. For anybody new, I work at the beer business, been working downtown for 18 years. We moved over to this hideously awful, soulless, soul-sucking uh, industrial park mess over at Volkswagen Drive next to FedEx and Little Debbie and VW. It's just it's just a, a mindless atmosphere. It's a terrible environment. It's just as far as any kind of creativity is, is involved. But, I mean, it's a fine place to work. Still, it's still the same good job I've had all these years. But because of the configuration of where everybody is in the new office, we're all a lot closer on top of each other. I mean, not quite on top of each other, but still much closer than we used to be. And it's a very echoey, boring, bland building. And you almost can't say anything without basically the whole damn office hearing every word you're saying. And I'm coming in contact with all the same people I've always come in contact with before, but so much more often. And I already knew I didn't like some of these people. And some of them, I hate their guts. And everything they say just makes my blood just boil. And I'm just inside screaming, cussing them out. And I have to spend several hours a day with so many of these people. And I and it got me thinking the other day. It's I mean, we all do something to annoy somebody else, right? We all do something where somebody says, "Oh God, Brian's here again. He won't stop this, right?" Or whatever it is there, he just he always does it. He can't help himself. I don't hate him for it, but man, it's annoying. And then it gets to another level of where people actually do hate you for it. But because of the professional environment or because of the social circle where it just makes more sense to just ignore it more than anything else. It, so there's there's no understanding of the annoyance, really. There's no like, oh, boy, I just annoyed the hell out of everybody there. You walk away thinking, oh, everybody thinks I'm cool. No, most people over there think you suck. I wonder if if I'm in social settings or professional settings more than I realize when somebody walks away and says, God damn it, Brian, I hate that guy. Uh, can he? I would do anything to not have to associate myself with that person anymore. Or my day gets exponentially worse when that person comes in contact with me. Because I have about 10 of those a day. Literally five solid, probably closer to 10. And I just wonder, am I ever that guy? Do I ever walk into a room or into a setting where when I leave, there's it's just relief? Oh, my God. Thank God we got that asshole out of here. I don't know. It's just... I got a lot of time to think about things recently, so I uh, I started thinking about that. Um, all right, talk Riverbend in just a second. Let me pull this up here real quick. Sorry to do this. I just don't feel like stopping. That's not it. Let's go to this one. There it is. All right, so this is what I'm calling today's uh, audio, do coolest things, worst ideas, stuff like that. Today, it's made up thing. Made up thing one, made up thing two. I don't remember her name. She's the blonde very pretty blonde who's the press secretary now, Kaylee, Casey, whatever the hell her name is, and just, it's it's telling falsehoods and just just randomly saying shit like mad libs of, of Trumpification of America is, is I mean, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but here's two in a row 
where she says something that's immediately contradicted by past words of people who matter. This is today's first made up thing. And it's worth remembering um, that this president was never given an orderly transition of power. Um, his presidency was never accepted. We must accept this result and then look to the future. Donald Trump is going to be our president. We owe him an open mind and the chance to lead. Our constitutional democracy enshrines the peaceful transfer of power. And we don't just respect that. We cherish it. Oops, sorry. Um, pressed the wrong button. So, yeah, she says this has never been accepted. He was never accepted as a president. Hillary Clinton the next day said, I accept, we accept that Donald Trump will be president. It's, it's just words don't matter. It doesn't matter what you used to say. Here's the second made-up thing. Va- basically the same audio cut just a little differently with the president himself contradicting her made-up thing. Something that I would note is just we talked a lot about transfer of power and the election, and it's worth remembering um, that this president was never given an orderly transition of power. On- Every four years we gather on these steps to carry out the orderly and peaceful transfer of power. And we are grateful to President Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama for their gracious aid throughout this transition. They have been magnificent. Thank you. What the hell? (laughs) I'm rubber, you're glue, bounced off me, sticks on you, nanny nanny boo boo, your mom's so fat jokes. I know you are, but one am I. I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't care what happens with this next administration. It's going to be a, its own kind of bleep show. I, I, the relief that this might be something that is just a sideshow and not from the White House podiums anymore. While well, the Trumpification of America ain't going anywhere, it ain't going anywhere. But at least it's not from the bully pulpit at the goddamn White House. That way I can at least just tune it out because I've already started to tune it out long ago and I don't want to tune out um, you know, the information coming from the, the highest perch in the land. So uh, January 20th, can't get here quick enough. If nothing else, just for some boredom, just for some just, uh, sleep, Sleepy Joe, you're damn right, Sleepy Joe. Put me to sleep. I don't want my cage rattled every single day. I don't want to diffuse a bomb out of my cell phone every single day when I go to look and see what the trends are. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. All right, so real quick, Riverbend. I'm done hating on Riverbend in in its entirety, entirety, and I had already almost gotten to that point because of the new configuration, getting asshole Chip Baker out of there, uh, Mickey McCamish, for the most part, the little interaction I've had with him in my life, uh, there's nothing to dislike. Very uh, kind gentleman. And um, and the restructuring and the reconfiguration, I was a big fan of. Having songbirds on board, I was a big fan of. Uh, lots of people involved that I trusted. And I buried the hatchet of Riverbend, Riverbend hate talk. I was done with it. That's been about a year now, I guess, roughly, however long it's been. And I've made that very known. And I've talked to Dixie uh, Fuller since then a couple of different times. I've talked to Bob Payne more than a few times. Two guys that have been there for a long time that at one point or another probably got pretty damn irritated with me talking junk about the that crappy festival that it ended up turning into. 
And once they made the initiative and finally listened, I like to like put my hand up and say, take a, I'm taking a little credit for this, taking a little credit for this finally listening. They finally listened to the, to the, to the detractors and the, the, the people that were just done with this mess, and they made the changes, and then COVID hit. And they were already skating on thin ice financially, and it's just, you know, they tried their best with a couple of shows the Blackberry Smoke show from just the other week that I was telling you all about last week. Here come the mummies before that. The Chattanooga Unite. None of these things were making any money. They were, you know, they were they were generating a little bit of revenue, but n- nobody was putting much money in their pockets. And you just knew eventually that it, a pretty small staff of around you know, less than double digits, but seven or eight at least, has now been trimmed to two. And so that puts a long time, you know, uh, member there Dixie Fuller you know legendary in the uh in the traveling music stage festival setup uh biz industry and uh Bob Payne who's I, I think it's always just been a side hustle for him but and then two or three four others that I don't know that well I'd recognize if I saw them probably um they're all out and uh you know I, I don't think we'll ever see Riverbend again there's there's just the two left it's Mickey McCamish and Karen uh Showstack Karen, I, I I talked about her on here without mentioning her name before and really lit her up at one point because there was something that uh, I still, I had every reason to be irritated with, and I'm not going to get into it because I'm done. I don't care, and I, I forgive any of that situation, and there's no reason to rehash it. When we were friends, when we were um, very, very solid acquaintances, I wouldn't say we were friends, but I have her phone number. So if I have your phone number, then that means you know we've got some kind of, rapport some kind of relationship it was really good for a long time and then it fell off a cliff but um i don't care about any of that that's just water that is long flowed underneath that bridge and she's she's able to hang on as director of sales so good for her good for her to be able to hold on to that gig and um you know how long will that last what will this morph into will it become another annual festival will it still be riverbend will it still be held downtown will it be any time in this half decade, you know, obviously the conditions of uh, public health will dictate a lot of that. So uh, just figured to me- mention it. I hate it. It's heartbreaking. This this is going to get worse before it ever gets better. All these protections from the CARE Act, CARES Act from from the beginning of the year are all running out. Forgiveness on on uh, mortgages, forbearances, forgiveness on um or leniency anyway, at least, on rentals. This is all drying up. The uh, the the administration that's in there, this couldn't be any more lame duck because it's it's even more a different kind of lame duck because they don't care. They don't care anything about anybody or about the except for themselves. So there's the, the, the fighting politically, these the children that these that these that our our government has become and will continue to be is going to be just a wreck on the way out the door this year. And into the beginning of next year. And I'm still concerned about that big thing I think is going to mess us up that we all aren't expecting, that we don't know what it is. You ain't seen anything yet kind of thing. This is all going to get worse and worse. Now, we hit 3000 or 30000 on the stock, or the Doc Dow Jones or whatever the hell it was. So, I mean, the rich people are still getting rich. It's an amazing, crazily, mind-blowing world we live in, and it's it's not going to get better anytime soon. And the only thing that getting a, a new president, no matter who that is, is we can just at least calm down a little bit at the end of each day. But it's it's coming. It's all coming. 
the the we haven't seen the the economic damage of this to its full extent yet, and I don't think we will for a little while. It's going to slowly get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse before hopefully eventually it gets better. All right, went long as always. I will tell you all about the black tie affair events wedding that I went to this weekend, and was I an asshole for doing it? Discuss that. Coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Oh, my God. I forgot how much it sucks to be around everybody. I think I'm going to be sick all over town. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> That's enough. We all have to quarantine together for two weeks. You don't want to infect your families, do you? You were all exposed to a student here who was taken to the hospital due to COVID. Yes. Uh, we were there and Token was actually taken to the hospital because you guys shot him. Yes, due to COVID. If it weren't for COVID, all the previous teachers would have still been here. We wouldn't have been in the class and nobody would have gotten shot. It was COVID related. That doesn't make any sense. It is Fish. The song is called Down With Disease. Of course, that's from the latest South Park. I think it's the latest. Very, very new South Park. It's so good. Just like always, they continue to get better. Stealing all my lines. Never been a big fish fan from a live perspective. From the big three jams, which would be jam bands, which would be Panic, The Dead, and some variation, and uh, Fish, they're my least favorite. I love this song. I love so much of their music. But the live show just never did it for me. Just bored me more than anything. Um, These days, I've grown out of the jam band community kind of a lot. I would still go to a Panic show in a heartbeat, several of them actually, because I love the music so much. And I get their show, I understand the flow, and I know how to, if I need, you know, when to take a a break to concession or bathroom or whatever. And uh, I understand what they're doing, and I I love it. But the jam band scene, I've kind of moved on from because the drugs that I didn't always take but I regularly at least thought about it and eventually probably did. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Quite literally, none of it. Um, it's just not my thing. Uh, you know, I'm 40 years old. I don't need to be out, you know, getting spun out on on anything for that matter. I'll talk a little bit more about this in the final segment of the show with the TikTok audio. I mean, smoking weed is something that I don't even have interest in anymore. This stuff is so potent. And, I mean, the people that smoke this stuff every day and then just go along with functioning in their lives, wow. Um, I don't know how the hell anybody does it, but, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm stoned smoking weed, <laughs> there ain't a person coming in contact with me that isn't going to be like, dude, you're effing stoned. Why don't you get out of here? Why don't you go home? <laughs> What's the matter with you? Um, so all that enhances a jam band scene. It's not required but boy, it really, really, really helps. And unless it's a New Year's Eve or something where I might consider 
bending the guidelines of my life. They're not real rules, but they certainly are guidelines. I'm pretty much done with the overall uh, jam band scene, at least for now. Okay, so this has got kind of two parts of of the reason for for telling the story from this past weekend. I'll try to do it as briefly as I can. Um, And the first part is just dressing up in a clown suit that I've always considered any kind of really nice tuxedo, uh, suit, jacket, tie, all that kind of stuff. I don't know how to tie a tie. I only have one tie that I own, and it is this really ugly 1980s style, maybe 1990s style blue with silver streaks through it uh, that I'm actually looking at right now. It's hanging up in my garage because Tony Kornheiser gave that tie to me when I was at his restaurant um, and his podcast recording uh, around two years ago now. He, he had listeners that send him things all the time. And this just happened to be this day, somebody sent him a box of ties. And so he had anybody who wanted one come up to him at at the window of his booth where he recorded, and he handed you a tie. So I I will keep that tie for the rest of my life, and if I ever wear one in a different setting, that'll be the tie that I wear. But so I don't have any nice shoes. I don't have a sport jacket. I don't even have any khakis. Like, I got got nothing but denim and T-shirts and a few throwback velour corduroy kind of things that are none of them are even kind of considered nice. But I can piece together, I, I take that back, I have one pair of khakis that are, come from a suit that I wore in a wedding that was a tan suit, and uh, but I haven't seen those damn things in years. I mean, they're here somewhere, but I don't know where. So I get invited to a wedding at the Hunter Museum. A longtime friend of mine, family friends, my brothers and sister are the same ages as their brother, you know, their siblings, parents. We've all known each other ever since we were very, very young. Prominent family in the in the city, really. The Brocks, Linda Brock Realty, likely you've seen her advertising somewhere. And her husband now is Dexter White Construction. This guy builds like multi-million dollar houses like every other day. These people do very well. And they're uh and and the, the two middle-aged boys, Matt and Lee, are very good friends of mine. Lee was the one getting married, and I was invited. And not just invited, followed up on, like, days leading up to it. Like, hey, you're coming, right? You're coming for sure, right? Like, my presence was very, very much uh, requested. And that's nice. It makes you know, makes you feel good. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go, but I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll put, I'll find my khakis. I'll put on, I'll wear my Clark Wallabies. I'll, uh, I'll find a button-up shirt around here somewhere, and I'll be very casually, barely formally dressed, and everybody will be like, oh, look at Brian, just like the asshole that he normally is. And um, it turns out it gets close to the date, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure if that's going to fly, actually. And I better start taking a look at the details here, the deets, as they say. Well, I... Finally find them because I lost the invitation long ago. And on the website, the you know the tie the save the date website, very 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 classy invitations. Very uh, nothing that I wouldn't have expected. And I'm just dumb. I didn't think about it enough. This is not just a we would appreciate you coming along board with the black tie event affair. Um, you pray, but you basically have to. It's like it's either wear the black tie suit. Or don't come. Those are your two options. Now, if I showed up in something other than that, 
they would still be happy that I came. They'd make fun of me and everything I, I, I wondered out loud earlier about do people really, you know, when I'm around think, screw this guy, I wish he'd leave. I might have fallen into some of those categories on that night. So that would be probably one of those examples. So I thought, all right, I got to figure out what to do here because I want to go to this wedding because, one, I've told them that I want to go, that I'm definitely going. And, two, I want to do something fun. I don't want to pass up anything that's fun right now in life. So I'm scurrying around on on Friday night trying to think of what I'm going to do. I don't mean, I know you go to Joseph A. Bank or whatever, and men's warehouse, and you get fitted, and you get a suit. I mean, I, but I, I've, I've only done it the one time for that wedding I was in a decade ago. So I don't really know what to do to go get a suit that's not going to cost a lot because I'm not I, I'm going cheap as it gets on this thing. And so I'm looking around. I'm even I'm Googling what is a black tie event and literally reading like the suggestions of, of how you approach this, what you wear, how you do or don't act. And eventually I finally got my brother on the phone and he, he was like, man, just go to Walmart. You can get you can get what you need there. I was like, you're got to be effing kidding me. I can't get a, a nice black tie suit at Walmart. Well, yeah, you can. So I took him up on that after I went to the mall, Northgate of all places, to start looking at a few places that I quickly did a Google search to see. They had a, you know, a store that was dedicated to stuff like that. And then just the, you know, the, uh, the Belks and the Coles and all those of the world, which are, you know, they're going to be less expensive than the specialty shops, but still, I was looking at prices quickly, and I was like, holy jeez, I'm not going to get out of here for less than 300 bucks, minimum. You know, and I'm doing all this just to get an open bar tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to drink $300 worth of booze tonight. And so if it was anybody else, I just wouldn't have gone. I just would not have gone because I've always just kind of been, I'm not going to dress up like this. I do not wear these kinds of clothes. I do not go to these kinds of functions. This is not... Me. Some of this is holdover for me just being a young grunger punk who just said, screw you and you're all, you know, I didn't go to prom, clearly. I didn't do any of those things. But in this case, you know, I, I did feel like I should do it. So I went to the Walmart, found the shirt, the tie, the jacket, the pants, and I bought them all for about a hundred bucks, basically. And I was asking other people their opinions on what I should do. And I didn't I didn't want to buy a pair of nice dress shoes. I was never going to wear dress shoes again. And I got uh, a s- suggestion when I kind of jokingly said, I got I got some Converse All-Stars. What else do I got? And, and one of the suggestions was, I think you can pull that off if they're nice. I mean, if they're not beat up and dusty like you've been running around playing in the yard in them. You know, they're black, they're white. They go right along with, uh, with, the, with, with, with the colors, right? They match completely. And I thought, that's that's a pretty good idea. I could use a new pair of shoes, a new pair of chucks. I haven't had a new pair in a long time. And so I went and bought a brand new pair of, of All-Stars for about 50 bucks. So at the end of the day, it was $150 for this dumb thing that I feel like I'm just going to feel so stupid in. And I get home, and I quickly wash the shirt and lay everything out, and uh, and I put it on. And this is the same day of the wedding, so I'm, you know, about three hours before this thing starts. I'm, I'm just now getting home, and hopefully all this stuff fits right because I just did it. You can't, you can't try on clothes in any department stores. I don't know if you would have thought about that or if you've been out trying to buy clothes. You can buy all the clothes you want, but you can't try any of them on because of COVID. So that put a wrinkle into it, too, and I was even like, God damn, I can't try any of this on. 
Like I can't buy crap off the off the rack that I've never worn before and hope that it fits. So I just got the sizes that I knew that I normally get, put it on, and bam, I was like, this, this is not too bad. Uh, my brother tied the tie for me later on, and um, and I put the chucks on, and I was like, you know what? The small little dash of indiv- individuality I was able to put in into this little monkey suit actually turned out pretty good. And um, I... I, I Still kind of think it's weird, but I kind of get it more now that now that I've done it. The idea that every guy there is going to wear basically the exact same thing. The only difference is, are you going to have a bow tie or a regular tie or a vest or not a vest? Outside of that, everybody's wearing the exact same thing. We're all reservoir dogs around here, right? We're all a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's all the men in black. And I thought that was silly. But after attending, I, uh, I kind of got it. And I had a really, really... Nice time. I had a big time. It was a lot of fun. And I actually, once I, I, now I look back at it, because of the addition of those chucks, I thought I actually looked pretty damn good. And I've got the thing, the whole thing in my closet now hung up, ready to wear again. And I'm looking forward to going to another black tie event. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And people have told, oh, it's fun. I love dressing up. This is so much fun. I'm like, what the f do you think is so fun about? What is fun about this? What is fun about being choked by your collar with this tie and this, top button a jacket and all that what could possibly be fun about this i don't know exactly where that transformation went through my brain to thinking yeah i kind of get it now this is kind of cool i kind of do like this and i got at least three compliments a couple that i remember for sure maybe three or four uh on the on the chuck taylor's on the uh, converse all-stars so I was uh, happy about that. So we, you know, stayed. It was one of those. They walk around with hors d'oeuvres, and there's food everywhere, and there's dancing, and, you know, Hunter Museum. I mean, this is some classy stuff I'm not used to, and it was so much fun. I knew so many people in the building liked virtually every one of them. Um, it was uh, it was really good. And so that brings me to the second portion of the reason for telling this story. So I... I think it was that night, might have been in the morning, doesn't matter when. I was going through my my uh, camera roll on my phone and found some pictures that were taken by somebody else. I had asked, hey, take some pictures of us. It was me and the groom. And most of them were uh, crappy, and they were posed pictures. I hate posing for pictures. I cannot fake smile. I can't. Hey, everybody, look at the camera. Cheese. And I just, you know, just the dumbest looking fake smile comes up. I can't do it. Some people can do it amazingly. I can't do it at all. But pictures taken of me candidly a lot of times turn out all right. And I like those. And I had one, one single shot that was just me talking to the groom, neither of us facing the camera, neither of us realizing it's happening. And it's not even that good of a picture, but it's good enough for me because it kind of captures the moment. And I posted it on Instagram. And I don't post a whole lot. I don't flood pictures out. I don't do a lot of social media uh, interaction like many do. But I do some here and there. And I didn't get blown up. But I got a handful of, oh, what are you doing there? Nice masks. Um, MAGA uh, super spreader event. Way to go, dude. You know, it was, I, I guess I should have expected it because a lot of my 
liberal friends are irritated with my lack of overall concern with the uh, with the coronavirus. It's it's not that I'm not concerned at all, but my concern is not to the same level. And the politicization, politi- politicizing, I'll say that the politi- politicizing of it has has uh, worn me out. And I'm going to be kind of a an asshole in this setting on that night. I just didn't really care. And I'm I'm not ashamed of that. And I maybe I should be, but I'm not. And I talked about it on the radio station a couple of times over the last few weeks that when it comes to the coronavirus, COVID, all the you know, everything that comes along with it. We need to have we need to, the the focus of the conversation needs to be different. It doesn't need to be is it a hoax or is it a, a bigger deal than than we than we thought it was or all the main talking points I'm not concerned with. The main thing I'm concerned with is just do you care? It's kind of like the uh, climate crisis discussion, global warming, global climate change whatever you want to call it, the the debate of whether it's real or not is like talking to a 10-year-old. Of course it's real. Same thing, coronavirus, COVID-19. The debate of whether it's real is childishly stupid. But the, the real question is, do you care? And if you just led with that and said, yeah, the, you know, the globe is certainly being uh, attacked by uh, by humans and wrecking it in many ways and uh, damaging to the environment, but I just don't care. I got other things to worry about. If you said that, I'd say, okay, all right, well, I wish you did, but all right, next topic, right? And that's kind of where I am with the coronavirus. Maybe it's because I haven't been affected in, you know, personally, but I just, I don't really care that much. Um, it's, I don't, I don't deny it, but what am I, what do, what do you want me to do? What do you want? What does everybody want me to do? That wedding was taking place whether I was there or not. And I got a lot of liberal friends that are full of, you know what, and very selectively choose when they care about this. When it's convenient for them, they're big proponents of it. When it's not convenient and it gets in the way of what they're trying to do, well, then the the protocols, policies, procedures don't matter as much anymore and sometimes not at all. And I can give you a list and walk down them and call people out by name. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I don't really care. I don't really care. And so I say to anybody who's mad at me for going to that wedding, Thanksgiving is this weekend, Christmas next month, but what we'll just talk about Thanksgiving in particular because that's where we're at right now. You better not be it in a gathering with a bunch of family. If you're mad at me for going to that wedding, you better not be gathering with family this weekend. You better not be out shopping at the malls or anything like that. You better not do that. And and when most of us are in the case of multiple, you know, family members, broken home, you know, split households, many people now at the age we're at, they have kids that are old enough to have their own gatherings. Um, uh, the phenomenon that is the friendsgiving that's been so popularized by 
young Gen Xers and millennials over the last decade or so, which are huge gatherings with food brought from so many different people, so many different households, touched by and been around so many different people. You get you get a two Thanksgiving dinners and a Friendsgiving between today and the end of this weekend. You're coming in contact with just as many people as I came in contact with in one night for two hours. So if what I did was awful and wrong and irresponsible and bad and asshole-ish or whatever, you better not be at any of those things. That person who thinks that I'm wrong for that, for what I did, better not be. And you know what they'll all do? You know what every single one of them will do? They will be at all those gatherings for Thanksgiving. So, that's part of the reason why I don't really care. <sighs> Alright, that's all I got there. Um, have fun with TikTok next. Wrap up the podcast and I gotta get the two radio shows put together and get my ass to bed. Hang tight, I'll be right back. Waiting for the time when I can finally see this has all been wonderful, but now I'm on my way. When I think it's time to leave it all behind, I try to find a way to, but there's nothing I can say to make it stop. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. Hi, this is Donald Trump Jr. And my dad lost the election, but we're trying to, like, make him feel better (laughs) by saying there was a bunch of voter fraud and he didn't really lose. (laughs) So please leave a message and, like, say you saw some voter fraud so my dad doesn't feel so bad about losing. I couldn't help myself. This is the latest from Strung Like a Horse. Gold in their souls. It's actually not the latest single. The latest single I'll play uh, on the radio show tomorrow, maybe on the podcast next week. But it's one of the songs from the new record, Golden Soul. I'm going to try to go quick. You're already over 40 minutes in. Got gold in their souls. So I still just can't get off this TikTok kick. It is, it is so addicting. And, um, you know, I usually get lost in it in times when it doesn't really matter, like at work, when I'm trying to ignore all the assholes that are uh, annoying me. Luckily, I get a little bit of free time to be able to do that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of really good content on there and a lot of really big, awful nonsense as well. And I have picked seven today to play. Let's see. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to dive right in. So this I'm going to play first, and then it leads into some 
uh, some audio from Rudy Giuliani, and um, I'm just having a little fun with it. It's so funny. This guy is such a clown. It's it's like really this. This odd, weird dude is gonna be the you know the the Robin to the Batman. You know Trump's Robin is Giuliani, and he's just kind of his own version of a caricature of a person. It's um it really is pretty funny. He references his favorite law movie, My Cousin Vinny. Mrs. Riley, when you saw the defendants, were you wearing your glasses? Yes, I was. Over here, dear. Now. How far were the defendants from you when you saw them entering the sack of suds? About a hundred feet. A hundred feet. Would you hold this, please? Thank you. This is 50 feet. That's half the distance. How many fingers am I holding up? Four. What do you think now, dear? Thinking of getting thicker glasses. Okay, so that's the clip from my cousin Vinny. That didn't actually come from uh, TikTok. I found it on YouTube or somewhere. This is uh, Rudy Giuliani referencing his favorite law movie. Probably the closest they got is from here to the back of that room. We could do like a, uh, did you all watch my cousin Vinny? You know the movie? It's one of my favorite uh, law movies because he comes from Brooklyn. And uh, when the, the nice lady who said she saw, and then he, uh, he, he says to her, how many f- fingers do I, how many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away than my cousin Vinny was from the witness. They couldn't see a thing. Now, I don't know, you're gonna tell me that 60 people are lying? They, they, they didn't just tell me this. They swore under penalty of perjury, which is something no Democrats ever done. <laughs> you don't even ask Biden about this. <laughs> you don't put, put him under penalty of perjury. He, he doesn't even get asked questions about it. He doesn't get asked questions about all, all the evidence of the crimes that he committed. All right. So let's just let's just forget the fact for a minute that um, at the tail end of that nonsense of the My Cousin Vinny reference, to uh, I'm guess he's talking about people who are watching at the polls during the uh, the ballot counting the ballots. Let's just forget the fact that he casually references um, quote all the crimes he committed from uh, of of Joe Biden's, and let's just focus on his favorite law movie is My Cousin Vinny, not To Kill a Mockingbird, not Twelve Angry Men, not Fast Forward more recently The Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey, not A Few Good Men. None of the many law-centric movies from the novels of John Grissom, like, oh, I don't know, the classic The Firm or The Client or A Time to Freaking Kill, The Pelican Brief. No, my cousin Vinny. (laughs) It's really Giuliani's favorite law movie. This, I didn't fact-check the math, But this is how you can get a billion dollars. Friendly reminder that if you made $100 an hour, worked 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year with no holidays, you didn't buy anything, you didn't pay taxes, it would still take you five. 
thousand years to make one billion dollars. So if you want to do that math and get back with me and tell me whether that's uh, accurate or not, I'll let you go right ahead and do it. The the greater point has been made. Um, as I mentioned earlier with the uh, drugs and marijuana, I don't know if this is uh, Joe Rogan. It sounds like him. I don't usually do comedians on the show just because that's too easy. I like to find things done by regular people. But this was set to something else. It wasn't. It didn't say who it was. Uh, that's just the kind of nonsense that happens on um, uh, on TikTok. So this is a minute of what sounds like Joe Rogan stand-up comedy on edibles. I love pot, but the people that are making edibles need to slow the fuck down. Oh, my God. What are you trying to do to people? I had a pot gummy bear the other day. I think we can all agree a gummy bear shouldn't be able to steal your soul. Right? The fuck are these people making these things, man? They're not consistent. That's also part of the problem. You don't know what you're getting, because they're not making them the same place where they make Tylenol. Not some greasy dude with a Grateful Dead t-shirt on, a gray ponytail. He's got a bowl of ingredients, and he can't remember whether or not he put weed in yet. This dude's time traveling, just back and forth, and just keeps chucking weed in there until it looks like lawn trimmings. You eat it, and it's not what you're looking for. It's not regulated. You got to ask questions. I'll tell you, those edibles, man, they are no freaking joke. Of course, you can make your own if you know what you're doing. Um, but uh, the ones that I've purchased out in Denver, wow, the lozenges, the gummies, the um, what else? I got some lemonade mix, like packet lemonade mix, like high C like in, a, in a little package. Mix it up with some water. It's get you high as uh, the sky, man. And just blow your head off, stoned. And uh, I've, I, I like if I'm gonna get high, that's the way I want to do it. But man, you gotta be careful. You don't know what you're doing. You'll be, uh, you know, you'll have your soul stolen by a gummy bear. This is back. This is from another, uh, from the shelf of the. It didn't doesn't matter what we used to say. We don't remember what we said last time we were doing this, and we just contradict ourselves every single time this is from the midterms in 2018 a compilation of primarily fox news but probably other outlets as well about how the democrats are crying because it's rigged democrats are being sore losers they refuse to acknowledge they lost the election so what do they do they cry malfeasance wrongdoing criminality fraud democrats more so than republicans seem to have a problem conceding defeat. Either the election system broke down or some mystery votes are hiding somewhere. You know, a whole series of Democrats who just said bluntly, if our candidate doesn't win, they stole the election. The Dems just want to make America suffer. It's like losing the World Series and demanding an extra inning the, a day later. The Democrats are refusing to accept the declared results of the national media. So how do we do this? Lo and behold, they find missing balance. The radical left is attacking the sanctity of our votes. Refusing to accept the midterm election results. So what if these were Republicans refusing to concede? Democrats may see how they'll be able in the future to steal elections through lawsuits that they can't win with the voters. And if you listen to the talking heads today, well, you already know what my point is there. Two more to go. We'll wrap things up. It is first one, a just compilation put together of what appears to be Trump's favorite word. He's been using it for over four years 
to set the groundwork for when he loses, whenever that does happen to happen, which it has now happened, well, it was all rigged. Running against a rigged press. It was a rigged race. Some of the voting is rigged. Florida was rigged. The game was rigged. Our country is rigged. The economy is rigged. The Republican system was rigged. Hillary Clinton was rigged. The media is rigged. These polls are rigged. The whole deal is rigged. The banks are rigged. The process is rigged. I think my side was rigged. It's a rigged everything. The whole deal is rigged, folks. Rigged, rigged, rigged. Rigged, 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 rigged. The whole thing was rigged, folks. The whole thing was rigged. One last one here. This was put together by The Tonight Show. I don't know what those late night shows are looking like these days with no audiences and no traditional guests and no live music performances. I don't know. I've literally not watched any of them. But this was put together by the uh, editing uh, team. And boy, what an exhaustive project this must have been. And it is absolutely fantastic. Trump finally concedes to President-elect Joe Biden. My fellow Americans, a short time ago, Joe Biden beat me in the election. And not only did he win, he won by a lot, actually. Therefore, it is time for me to step aside because, let's face it, I wasn't probably on my game and I wasn't doing so well. And, you know, I'm the only president in history to lose the popular vote twice and to get impeached. It's time for a change. Greatest dream in the world is that Joe Biden wins because the winner of this vote was decided by a fair and open election. Therefore, I humbly concede to Joe Biden. The American people have responded, and they said to me, you're fired. Bing, get out. I mean, with my little bit of knowledge of video editing, because that was what that was. That was a video vignette, not just an audio uh, edit. So my limited knowledge of video editing and my very extensive knowledge in audio editing, that's exhausting just thinking about putting together and it's also amazing to think about the person or persons that were able to uh, to put to splice that together it's silly obviously it's nonsense but there's got to be thousands and thousands of hours uh, of, of footage to go through uh, maybe it's not quite thousands and thousands but it's got to be a lot so anyway there you go Trump concedes kind of sort of not really and uh, that's it. That's all I got. I am going to shut her down and get to work on tomorrow morning stuff and then get ready for Thanksgiving. It is one of my favorite uh, days of the year. I really, really do enjoy it. Luckily, my family behaves themselves for the most part, and we're able to enjoy our presence. And it's short and sweet. We're not there for a long time. We're just there for a good time. And uh, I fully anticipate that being um, the deal on Thursday. And then I got a long Friday and I got a whole long weekend, really. Um, things start to pick up for me around the holidays, that is for sure. So y'all have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you to death. Mean it. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully on the radio tomorrow, and hopefully get you another podcast next week. See you later. Bye.